0: The chat is brought to you by Moffat Aquasystems of Greensburg and Aquasystems of Columbus. Welcome to the chat. This podcast is here to encourage and challenge you in your walk with Christ by inspiring women of faith. Chat means an informal conversation, and we can't wait for you to hear this episode of the chat podcast. Your host, Nina Evans, is a Christian marriage and family counselor, police chaplain, national speaker author and religion columnist for the republic newspaper the chat podcast originates from your gospel station wygs a southern gospel radio station in columbus indiana if you'd like to sponsor the radio show or podcast please contact wygs at 812-373-9947 or wygs.org welcome to the chat
1: Welcome, everyone, to The Chat. I am coming to you from the beautiful city of Columbus, Indiana. My name is Nida Evans, and I am the host for The Chat. It airs each Saturday morning from 9 to 10 o'clock on radio station WYGS, and it can be live-streamed from its website. The Chat is also available through iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify. My guest today for the chat is Cheryl Phil. Cheryl is a recipient of the Dr. Carl Wildy Teacher of the Year Award, which is given to the best teacher in the Jennings County School Corporation, where she taught. Cheryl is also an instructor at Ivy Tech here in Columbus. She is also an English and speech teacher at East Columbus Christian School. Welcome to the chat, Cheryl.
2: We are back with the chat. Welcome to the broadcast today, Cheryl. Thank you so so much. I am really humbled
1: to you, be here. You have so many uh, awards that uh, I'm just excited to hear someone that is so uh, so knowledgeable and uh, is such a, a follower of Jesus Christ.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much,
1: Cheryl. Will you tell us about your family?
2: Yes, I would love to because they were very instrumental in my development as a Christian. When I grew up in Seymour, Indiana, in a subdivision, my mom and dad and I lived in a house, and right next door lived his mother and father, and across the street lived his sister, his baby sister, her husband, and her two children. The doors were never locked. We ran across the street back and forth, and we were a family that prayed together. My family was instrumental to me because... All of my family is gone now. They have died, except maybe my cousins that live South Texas and in South Carolina. So I am the only—I don't have any relatives in the state of Indiana. But this baby sister that I talked about that was my dad's, she's 92, and she lives in South Carolina. Just, I talked to her on the phone regularly. Just talked to her Saturday, and we were reminiscing about our family. And she said, but what made us unique— was that we lived it every day. We didn't just go to church on Sunday, Sunday night or Wednesday night for status or for social connection. That was not our main reason. We lived this Christian experience every day. And I saw that as a child. And I knew they were praying about things. And then I would see God answer. And it drew me to him. Will you tell us about your work? When I was eight years old, I love talking about this. When I was eight years old, I came home from elementary school. I was in the third grade, and I told my mom and dad I'm going to be a teacher. A lot of students, I think, at that age, children that age, they have an idea of what they want to be, but then it changes. It never changed for me. Right? I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. So for Christmas, I asked for a blackboard and a globe and those kinds of things, and I played school. I went to to Trevecca Nazarene University my freshman year, which is in Nashville, Tennessee, and then I transferred to Olivet Nazarene University in Kankakee, Illinois, and graduated from there in 1970 with a degree in speech education with a minor in English, and then went on to IU when I moved back to Indiana to get a master's degree, and so then i double majored. So I have a major in English and a major in speech, and I'm life licensed by the state of Indiana to teach everything from the seventh grade to the twelfth grade, which I've taught, and then the dual credit on the sophomore and freshman level with Ivy Tech. I feel like this is a ministry. It Yes, it's a profession, but it's more of a ministry to me. In the public school, I was honored and privileged to be in a more conservative area. I think Southern Indiana is more conservative, and where I came from in Jennings County, it's conservative. And I remember when I was hired, the principal said, now, we're conservative here. We have more churches than we have taverns. I'll never forget that. because So we don't do any exercise or activities on Wednesday night or Sunday afternoon or Sunday night because we go to church. Now, times have changed a lot in the last... 48 years. But still, I remember that. And so in the classroom, I knew about how far I could go. I legally supported every priest, every pastor, every Sunday school teacher, every well-meaning parent. And I pushed it as far as I could legally, if you're understanding me, because I taught literature. I could go back and I could teach literature and then connected to the Bible, particularly when we're talking about the world on a turtle's back, which is uh, the story of the Iroquois myth of creation. So we would study that, and then I would have them go to Genesis and look up, you know, the formation of creation, compare and contrast it in essays. So I feel like it's been a ministry, and not only from the work in the classroom, but then the connection with the students outside of the classroom. I wanted them to see me in church, so I'd find out where they went to church, And I would go visit that church so they could see their teacher in their church. It was just a ministry.
1: What is your relationship with Jesus like? Will you give us your testimony? It's
2: personal. I stepped out when I was eight to accept Christ. I remember that. I was the only one to step out that time. When I was 14, I felt he was calling me to surrender more. And I stepped out and I was the only one to step out at that time. Then I went to a Christian college, and I loved—it never was a bother to me that we had to go to chapel four days a week or that every class began with prayer. It was a Christian school, so I liked that. It was never a bother to me. But when I got to Olivet, I felt God saying to me, do you accept this because this is your experience with God? Or do you accept this because your family has lived it before you and taught it? Do you accept this because this is what you heard preached? in your church. And I remember it wasn't any kind of real discovery. It was just this commitment that, yes, it's mine. It doesn't belong to my mother or my father. It doesn't belong to my family. It belongs to me. And God has been personal to me in so many different ways.
1: In what area in your life is God working on you to make you more like Jesus?
2: he's working on me now because I just mentioned that I have no family in Indiana. And my aunt said to me on the phone, we don't want you to feel like we've abandoned you. And I said, I don't feel like you've abandoned me. I just feel abandoned. So because I have no family, I feel like God is saying to me, trust me more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Draw closer to me in a more intimate way than maybe I've ever known him and I feel his presence in a much more personal way than I have ever felt him before.
1: Well, the or the chat has a theme song, and that theme song is called Stepping Out. And it's a song about stepping out of the boat of faith, becoming, allowing God to stretch us to make us more like him. When is a time in your life when you were or had to step out of the boat?
2: Well, I don't want to get into some things that are personal, but I went through a traumatic event in my life where my family life changed. I went through a divorce, and that really altered my trust and dependence on God. I was thinking, I questioned, why do certain things happen when I've trusted him? And I had to get to a point where I trusted him no matter what. What I didn't understand, what I couldn't explain, what was hard to accept, that I trust him. And I remember at that time I did a lot of walking. It was therapeutic for me. And I can remember walking down the streets of North Vernon and looking up at the sky and saying to God, I believe in you. I can't feel you. I don't understand you, but I believe in you. And if I get to the end of my life and I find out there is no God, I'm still going to believe in you. That was stepping out of into a faith of, of something unknown, and I was scared to death, you know, n- not having been by myself in my adult years. I was scared, but I knew that that was one of the things I really had to commit to, that I believe in you. I can't understand you. I can't feel you. I don't know why, but that's for you to work in my life, and I'm going to continue to believe in you. Mm-hmm. That was real stepping out of the boat. Oh, for me. Definitely. Well, I'd like to talk about your prayer life for a little bit here. Do you have a designated place to pray every day? Well, I used to kneel. I can't do that anymore. I'm 74 years old and I have mm-hmm. a lot of arthritis. I used to kneel by my bed or I'd kneel by a chair, but I can't kneel. But I sat on the edge of the bed or I sat in the chair. This morning I sat in the chair. And I know it's not our posture. I knelt because I wanted to reverence God with a submit, submission and a posture that was submissive, but in my heart i 'm still just a submissive, sitting in that chair or on the side of my bed i 'm still just a submissive and But I will tell you that I do a lot of effective praying in the car mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the car i don't know why that has become such an important place for me to reach out to God, and the prayers are not real long, but they're heartfelt.
1: Will you take us through just one day from morning? tonight of what goes on in your communication with the Lord during the day?
2: I ask God to help me before the day starts. I surrender it to him. I know that my next breath comes from him, everything. Mm -hmm. So I surrender it to him. I ask him to protect me, to bless me, to help me, to let my light shine. But then I pray for needs. I have people who call and ask for prayer. Uh, just the other day, I was at the bank when I got ready to leave. The little cute teller pushed a piece of paper over to me, and it said "prayer request." And I took it, and I s- nodded, and I said, "I will remember this." When I got in the car, I turned it over, and she was asking for prayer for her for her father who'd just been diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Since I've been in there, then. I have uh, one time I was in there and she was helping another customer. So I had just written on the little piece of paper, I'm remembering you and just slipped it over to her through the window. I pray for people who ask for specific uh, issues that they need to have someone share with them about prayer. Um, Those are the kinds of things that I deal with. And then I ask God to draw me closer Mm. to help me to search my heart. Just the other night, I asked him to help me search my heart. Show me where I needed to improve and move up. And, you know, I have to tell you that I've wobbled around in my life because of things that have happened I couldn't understand or explain, but yet God was there and He was meeting me in a very, very personal way. And then He talks to me. Mm-hmm. I hear Him mm-hmm. talk to me. I think we Christians oftentimes do not give the Holy Spirit enough credit. We talk about Jesus and the Lord and the Savior and God, but I don't know that we give the Holy Spirit as much credit as we should. And it's the Holy Spirit that draws us. It's the Holy Spirit that lays someone on our hearts to pray for. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us those words to say to him in prayer time. Check my heart. Help me to know what you want me to do. I can give you an example of how God speaks to me. Uh, you mentioned that I was teaching at Columbus Christian School. Well, this has been in the fall, and I am a McDonald's Diet Coke junk. <laughs> I will get probably a Diet Coke or two from there once a day. Mm-hmm. And so I was after school, and I thought, I can't wait to get back to North Vernon for a Diet Coke. So I went up to the McDonald's here in town, and there are two lanes, and I got in one lane, and there was um, a van in front of me. And I don't know very many people in Betholome County. I know a lot of people in Jennings County because I've taught there so long. And when I retired, I was having grandchildren of former students. So there was this white van in front of me, and I got up to where I order, and I told them I'd like to have one large Diet Coke. And so they said oh, it'll be a dollar seven. You know, pull forward to the first window. So I pulled forward, and when I pulled forward, there was this high school kid, and he had on a mask, and he was trying to hand me the receipt, and I was trying to hand him the dollar seven, and he wasn't taking it. And we kind of got in this little scuffle. And I said, "Here, son, here's your money." And he goes, "No, here's your receipt." And I said, "But I haven't paid for this. I want to pay for this." He goes, "You don't have to. The car in front of you paid." And I said, "Do I know that person?" And when she got up to turn there onto the main street, she turned to the right, and I could see her profile. I don't believe I knew her, mm-hmm. right? So, well, What a nice thing to do. She didn't wave at me. She didn't allow me to wave back at her. So then I started down the the road there to go back to North Vernon, and I got down by Chick-fil-A where that intersection is with the lights there were some little kids they looked like they were junior high kids jumping up and down with these posters and waving and yelling and i thought oh there must be a car wash when i got up to them on the poster it said smile god loves you oh and god's holy spirit settled down in my car mm-hmm. the coke then that and i felt his love I felt him reminding me of his presence Mm -hmm. in a very different time. I was getting a Coke, right? I was going home, and yet God let me know in those Mm -hmm. what one might say insignificant ways that I'm here. I'm ministering to you. Mm -hmm. My presence is with you. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that's a personal relationship with God. Mm -hmm. It's an example of a personal relationship with God.
1: Mm. A very tender moment for you.
2: I'm not going to forget it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
2: I went to class the next day and told the students, you know, there are many different reasons why you should serve God. But here's one of them, because he's a personal savior, Mm -hmm. because he's personal.
1: Are there any prayers you pray specifically for yourself?
2: Yes, that I can draw closer. Yeah, that I can be better that God can show me where my weaknesses are. We're all flawed, and we all need help, and we all need direction. And so I ask him for those things. Show me where I can grow. Show me where I need to improve. In literature, we talk about dynamic characters and static characters. A dynamic character is one that grows and changes, and a static character is one that stays the same. I want to be dynamic. Mm. I want to grow. I want to change, and I want to do that.
1: This has been great, Cheryl, talking with you and actually listening to how God is active in your life. We've got to take a break, but we'll be right back with the chat. We're back with a chat and we're chatting with Cheryl Phil and we were talking about how God is active in her life and about her prayer life. I have one more question to ask you about praying Cheryl. If God could answer two prayers
2: for you and only two prayers what would they be? Uh, I think salvation of my family members and that takes in more than just one person. Mm -hmm. I I think that would be what I would want. I think sometimes we get caught up in our own lives Mm -hmm. and we forget those who are not following God because they've never been introduced to him or they've been introduced to him and they've shunned him. And I think that should be a really major prayer that all of us in this day and age pray for those who don't know him for whatever reason. I think you're right.
1: I think that should constantly be on our hearts and, and in our conversation with the Lord for neighbors and yeah. others would come to help yeah. And I'm not
2: saying that in an arrogant, condescending, self-righteous way. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm saying about how that we are the fragrance of God, and that's the scripture, mm-hmm. that we spread that fragrance, and it's for those who believe in him and also for those who are perishing. And So we say that because we're concerned and because we have this desire to have everyone know God Mm -hmm. in this personal saving way.
1: What does your devotion time consist of? What all do you do during that time that is set apart to
2: worship and talk with the Lord? Well, I have for years belonged to the Bible Study Fellowship here in Columbus, and I'm assuming that most people know what that is, but for those who don't, it's international Bible study that's just for women, and it's not for any one denomination, and I've gone to that for years. Now, they had to close it because of COVID, and I've really missed it. They went virtual, but virtual doesn't meet my needs. I like the face-to-face kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We're not encouraged to talk about our denomination. We just study the Bible, and then we discuss the Bible. My devotions have really been through that Because then I would have, I love studying the Bible, picking it apart, you know, Mm -hmm. verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and reading a whole book. I have read the Bible, and probably have read it through, but never in, from Genesis to Revelations. Some people do that. But it's studying books of the Bible, and studying the scriptures, and studying the chapters. And then God speaks to me through those verses, and the verses then become real that I use every day mm-hmm. to support my belief in him. Mm. Um, amazing the, the, how the, the scripture becomes so alive. Mm-hmm. One of my very, very popular scriptures that I lean on is Deuteronomy thirty three There is no other God like our God. The clouds are his chariots. And he rides through the sky to bring help to us. I've quoted that to myself over and over and over again, in the car, in my house, you know, under my breath. I love that. So the scriptures become really real. Now, I I believe in devotions, and I know some people have devotions every day in the sense of having a devotional book. I can't say that I don't use them, but I don't use them regularly. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. just really love studying the Bible. Do you have a life verse? Well, one that I feel like that God has given me recently, and I think it's something that this day and age we really need to know. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and strong, and do everything in love. And one of the reasons why that's a life verse for me now is because when I was at Olivet, and that's been 50, 55 years ago, the professor started talking about, Everything is relative. We're, going to, we're entering an age where it's relative. It's not absolute. So you're going to have a more difficult time witnessing to people because they're not going to see it as absolute. So we're living in this society that seems to ignore people or shun people or mock people that believe in a higher authority that rules the universe because it's relative. Well, that's what you believe, but that's not what I believe. And it's really difficult then to deal with someone when you're trying to talk to them. can deal with them by setting an example of your testimony with your lifestyle. But I'm talking about talking to them. It's really difficult. I remember years and years ago in my prep period, there was this woman. I loved her. She was in the English department. And her father had been in the military. And she sort of claimed to be an agnostic. And we had a prep period together. Our ideas were so different, but we got into talking about God. We talked about things that were relevant to us, and she listened, even though she didn't really accept everything I was saying. But today, it's kind of difficult to get people to listen because it's relevant. It's just, it's relevant. And I go back to what those professors said years and years ago, warning us about how society was going to be, and it has become that. So I want to be on guard. I want to know what I believe. I want to know why I believe it, because I want to stand strong. I want to have that courage and that strength
1: mm-hmm. to mm-hmm.
2: endure mm-hmm. and not be led astray.
1: Well, are you studying a particular book of the Bible right now? Are you reading? What, what in Scripture is? are you doing right now? Colossians.
2: Um, read the third chapter today.
1: Is it speaking to you? Yes. Yes.
2: If you would like, I can tell you Colossians three twelve. therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, and loyalty, gentleness, and patience, humility. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance grievance you may have against one another. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. It tells us basically how to live in that one verse. Do you have a favorite book of the Bible? Well, I like Psalms um, and have studied that. And, uh, and Psalms speaks to me in different kinds of ways. I can give you an example of that, too. My denomination used to have New Year's Eve services more regularly. They don't seem to do that now. And I like New Year's Eve services, so I was traveling to Columbus on Highway 7, and this has been two years ago, and I saw where St. Paul's Lutheran Church was having a New Year's Eve service at 7 o'clock, and so I drove up from North Vernon, and I didn't know anyone in there, though they were so, so friendly. But I drove up there to hear the service, and the pastor, I don't know his name, but he chose Psalms 90, Um, I believe it was... Let me see here. I have it written down. It's ninety-one twelve. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. And in his sermon, he was talking about how he and his wife, who were married students, when he was in seminary in Fort Wayne, they couldn't live on campus because they were married. So they had an apartment off campus. It was like a second floor. And again, this is where the scriptures come alive. I'm just awestruck by this. How God speaks to us every day through those scriptures, and sometimes through the word that we read, but also the spoken word from someone else. And he was talking about how that early in the morning, maybe 4:30, 5 in the morning, they seem to be awakened, and with a pow, 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 pow. Right? He and his wife awoke, and they said. Okay, that sounds like gunshots, right? He said, my first inclination was to go to the window and open up the curtains and peep through to see what might be going on. But I had a check. Don't do that. So by and by, they see that the police cars are coming and there's flashing lights and so on. So he gets dressed and goes downstairs and there are the policemen and come to find out somebody had killed someone else and the dead person was there, right, underneath the window, of where this pastor and his wife, when they were in seminary, were staying. And he said, I told the policeman I heard what sounded like gunshots, and I thought I would open the window. And he goes, well, it's a good thing you didn't, because if somebody would have seen you and they would have known that you saw something, they would have probably shot you through the window. Mm. I love Mm. this, that he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. That was that minister's text that night. And I carried that through the rest of the year Mm. knowing that God would command his angels to guard me in all of my Mm. ways. And I loved the illustration that he gave. It was a personal one.
1: Very meaningful. Yes. Very meaningful. Can you tell us an account in the Bible that is one of your favorites?
2: Well, if you're talking about an account, I like women in the Bible because I grew up without a television. And in my day in the 1950s, women washed on Monday and they ironed on Tuesday. And so when I would come in in the summer and I would be hot and sweaty and my mom would give me a a glass of Kool-Aid and then tell me to lay down on the couch and she'd be ironing. She goes, I want to tell you a story. And she started telling me about the women of the Bible and they came alive to me. It was not Mm. just the, the, it wasn't just written in the Bible. It was these women that were they, they were real. Mm-hmm. And she, she was a good storyteller. Mm. And I loved that. So because of that influence and because of her telling me stories about Esther and Ruth and so on, the Lord several, oh, this has been, oh, probably a good 35, 40 years ago, God opened up to me, Miriam,
1: mm-hmm.
2: in Exodus chapter 15, verse 20. Then the prophet Miriam Aaron's sister took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And in verse 21, And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. He just blew his breath, and the sea covered them, and they sank like sand. It's an example to me of how women can praise God. Mm Mm-hmm. There's strength in women coming together and praising God out loud. Mm. She took her tambourine, and then the other women took their tambourines, and they followed her, praising God for what he had done. I'm not sure. I don't know. I know that God is calling me to be much more verbal in my praise worship to him, not to be at all swayed by society or by what people might think of me, but to give him credit verbally. And I love this. I love this, where she came out with her tambourine, praising God, and then the other women followed her.
1: I'm guessing that Miriam is one of your favorite women in the Bible. Oh, yes, yes.
2: Esther is, too. Uh, My mother made Esther come alive. She was there for a moment and a time where God could use her specifically, not for just her sake, but for God's sake, to save a whole nation. And she was the first recipient of the first beauty contest. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. Let's get into mentoring. Have you had a mentor
2: in your life? Mm, Those three women, my mother, my grandmother, and my aunt. Oh, yes.
1: What are some things specifically that you've learned from them that has brought you into a closer relationship with Christ?
2: Well, I know when my mother was admitted to the hospital and she was going to die three weeks later, she was knowing that I'm an only child and my dad was deceased at the time and she was laying there in the bed and I was at the end of the bed sitting in a chair and she looked at me and she goes, I hate to go off and leave you in this cold world by yourself. Mm. And I said, mom, you've taught me well. I've learned well. I have Jesus in my heart. I'll be all right the mentoring that she did, the mentoring my grandmother and my aunt did. And I remember specifically the first house I bought. I was married at the time, and my husband and I bought this really nice house over by Geyser Park in Seymour, and I really was into that house. So one Saturday morning, it was about 10 o'clock, I was out mowing, and the lawnmower was making a lot of noise, of course, and my mother happened to pull up. She got out of the car, she walked over there, and over the loud noise of that lawnmower... Motor," she said, have you prayed today? And I said, no, you're too busy. Turn the thing off. We're going to go in to pray. Now, some people would resent that. No, I never resented anything like that because why? It was a method of drawing me closer uh, to remind me. And I think as parents, and it doesn't matter that I was an adult, I think parents have a sense of wanting to show their children when maybe They're not putting the priorities where they ought to be. And I shut it off. We went inside and prayed. And the day was a lot better than it might have been. (laughs) (laughs) And you didn't mind it at all. No, no. I never did feel resentful.
1: We're going to have to stop here for a moment and take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about struggles in your life and how God has used those. We'll be right back with the chat. We're back with the chat, and we are chatting with Cheryl Phil and she is talking to us about her prayer life, about her uh, devotion life, m- many different things uh, having to do with her communication uh, with God. We're getting ready now to talk about the struggles you've been in, Cheryl, in your walk of faith. As Christians, we all have struggles, and it's how God wants to teach us, to stretch us, to make us more like him. So what is one particular struggle in your life? It could even be a time of discouragement. They go hand in hand. What is one? Will you tell us about?
2: Well, again, I don't want to get into specifics because it's personal. But I went through a divorce. And you have to understand that when I was a teenager, you didn't get divorced. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't even run for the president of the United States and be divorced. Mm-hmm. And when you believe you've prayed about a decision you're making and you believe God's leading you in that decision, and then for some reason it goes awry, you know that it's not God. There has to be something that a decision I made because the error was with me. And I can remember struggling. And I did seek out, I'm really for counseling, particularly with Christian counselors, Mm -hmm. right? And God led me to one in Mooresville, a Dr. David Crane, who helped me not only to see the psychological issues that I was dealing with, but also to deal with the struggle I was having spiritually. Because it took me probably a good six months to get to the point to where I could accept the fact that God wasn't going to send me to hell. Mm -hmm. I didn't want the divorce. I was struggling to save it, but it was happening. It was going to happen. I knew that. God must be going to send me to hell, right? And I remember one time in a session, Dr. Crane said to me something about, why can you not trust God with this? Do you not think that God can work through a murder or a burglary? Or... And I said, yes, I know God can work through those things. because why are you limited thinking God can't work through a divorce? It was a mindset that I had that had developed over time. And I can just remember um, saying to him, I do not have any negative feelings about anyone in my church who's divorced or remarried, but I can't seem to accept it about myself. And he said, then you are the one that's limiting God's work in you. And Cheryl, we say... That we serve this omnipotent, omnipresent, all wise, all knowing God. But sometimes, I'll never forget this, it helped me so much. But sometimes we reach up and we get a hold of this omniscient, omnipotent, all knowing, all wise God and we pull him down to our level. And then he made a little circle with his index finger and thumbs of the two hands. And there was just like an inch or two in that circle. And then we say to God, okay, this is the only amount of space I'm going to give you to work. Work here. Mm-hmm. And he said, and that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it opened my eyes to see God in a way that through my struggles, he could bring victory to me. I still don't understand things. There are other things that have happened in my life I don't understand. My mother used to have this visual Again, when I was a teenager, I don't think I understood much of what she was saying, but as I've gotten older, I see these visuals so much more clearly. She used to say, the things I don't understand about God, the things I pray about and those prayers don't come through, those things that I thought God was going to do and he didn't do, the things that God has the power to do and he doesn't choose to do it, I have a mystery bag, and I shove all those things down in that mystery bag. And then I draw the drawstring tight over the top of it and leave it there. I have thought of that visual so many mm-hmm. times in my own life mm-hmm. about the things that I don't understand in my struggles. Am I saying that I don't struggle? No, but that was one the one time everything in my life is is described before the big D and after the big D right Then there have been other struggles that I've had that I've had to learn to put in that mystery bag Mm -hmm. and leave it with God and know he's going to work it out and not get a hold of this omniscient God and pull him down and give him about two inches to work in my life and say, okay, that's that's as much space as I'm going to give you, you work there. To know that his way is bigger, his mind is bigger, he sees things in a way that I don't see, and he's going to work things out. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, during this struggle with your divorce, did God bring a particular song to you that strengthened you and encouraged you?
2: I have a song um, that I think is, th- that, that tells what I feel of God, and it's How Great Thou Art. I remember people, when I was going through the divorce, and then, of course, when it got oh, to be more of a knowledge around town, when the I people would write to me little cards and write... And there was this woman in town, Ann Means. Oh, she's a darling person. And that's back when we had the cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. And one day I went to my mailbox, and there was a manila envelope. And I took it up to the house, and I opened it up, and there was a note. And it said, I've heard that you're going through a storm, and I wish I could blow the clouds away for you, mm. but I want to help you. So put this cassette in. I want to minister to you. So I put the cassette in the recorder, the woman started singing. Mm. It was a cappella. She started singing these encouraging... I'm sorry, but it just, it's amazing how God reaches out to us and personal relationship with Him when we need it most and we don't know where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And that woman started singing some of the standard gospel songs mm. that come from the period of the Great Awakening that have so much theology in them. And then she'd say, okay, get your Bible out and turn to mm. such and such a book, such and such a chapter, such and such a verse. I'm going to read this to you. Mm. And then she'd read it to me. And then she would encourage my heart. Those are the things that I remember the most. It's that, Yes, I, I love certain songs. And the one that I just mentioned to you is a favorite of mine. But I love how all of that comes together and how God ministers to us mm-hmm. in ways that we're not expecting through his word, through music, through uh, a testimony
1: Let's listen to the song, How Great Thou Art. Oh,
0: Lord, my God, when I, in awesome wonder, consider all the world's thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the roar. Thunder thy power throughout the universe displayed then sings my soul, my Savior guide to thee How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee cares can take it in that
1: Thank you, Cheryl. That's a beautiful song. We can all relate to how great God is and how we worship him. And that's just one of the many, many songs that we hear and that we sing that glorifies him and puts him up where he should go. Thank you for having me. As we get ready to close the chat today i'd like to give you a couple of minutes cheryl is there anything that god has laid on your heart that he wants you to say that will encourage our listening audience to be
2: touched by well again i want to go back and emphasize this personal relationship with him Uh, that's that's what i would like to encourage the listeners to be aware of in their own lives. And if they don't have that, to seek a personal relationship with Christ through salvation, to ask for forgiveness of their sins, and to trust God that he's forgiven them, and then to know he's with them daily, moment Mm. by moment. And then Psalms again, chapter 90, and it is verse 17. I love this. Let your loveliness shine on us. Bless the work that we do. Bless the work of our hands. If we go through the day and ask God to shine his loveliness on us, to bless our work, to bless the work of our hands, then that personal relationship with him comes as we need it to be. And he ministers to us in an individual way. Will you pray with us? I would love to. Dear Lord, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this radio station that encourages this particular program, for testimonies to be given of individual hearts that have accepted you and that have experienced a walk with you. We ask, Lord, for those that are in our hearing audience that may not have a personal relationship, that that you will convict them, that you will bring them to you, and that you'll use people in their lives to do so. We pray for those women that are struggling now with some emotional or mental issue. Again, Lord, you're so concerned about every part of our lives. And I know that because I've experienced emotional issues in my own life. And I was confronted with accepting you as a Savior. And I know that you're no respecter to persons, that you're calling all of us. So help them where they are, and then those who are physically ill, give them a touch on their bodies that will cause them to know that you're ministering to them where they are, because we know you are a personal God. We love you, we want to serve you, and we want to glorify your name. Thank you for this program. Thank you for the managers of this program, for the engineers of this program, and for Nina who has been so grateful to interview us. Lord, you want to bless us. Help us to accept that in our personal relationships with you. Amen.
1: Thank you, Cheryl, for coming to chat with me today. It's been good to hear about your walk with Christ and how he has encouraged you and given you just the right words or just the right Bible verse or just the right everything to encourage you and to use you in the lives of others. So thank you, Cheryl, for coming. And thank you, too, listeners. I've appreciated your tuning into the chat today. I look forward to future times when we can once again sit and have a chat.